The Cavs lost to the Magic in preseason, but it's preseason, so how much does it matter? Figure it out. Talk about that on today's episode of Locked on Cavs. You are Locked on Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. All right, the music you heard on the way in is from our friends at Astro Radio. I am Chris Manning. That is Evan Damerell. Thanks again to Jake Stevens, as always, for his work on production. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed, brother. Visit FanDuel.com backslash Locked On today to get started. All right, Cavs Magic. Cleveland loses. Had a long running comeback to try to make this one a little bit more competitive, but did not work. Evan, your big takeaway from this is what? Um, the offensive approach is starting to really manifest a little bit. Once JB Bickerstaff was uh, preaching at least, and also Kobe Altman, like during media day and just like training camp leading up to this. And you saw glimpses of it against Atlanta. And for those listening, you might've said like, Oh, that's who they play. Cause I kept referring to, who the Cavs played tonight is the Atlanta Hawks as Cav as Chris and I were pre- preparing to start. Um, but you also saw it again against Orlando, just because in that game against Atlanta, like Amani Bates was not gun shy from three, neither was Sam Merrill. But like you saw more of it from Max Struess, like you saw a lot of really high quality looks from him. Like sure, Donovan Mitchell didn't make a ton, but you saw a lot of high quality looks from him. And I asked JP Bickerstaff about it, like post game a little bit, and he's like, these guys are now kind of learning how to play with actual space versus not having to play with space or having to play without space last year. So. It might be a little bit of a stylistic change, but like you're starting to see the offense click a little bit and it's been really fun um, just to kind of see like how this Cavs team can evolve because there is a lot of potential here. It's just now how long do they kind of iron out some of the creases and kind of find that groove where they can just keep executing on the way they want to offensively. Yeah, this was a kind of a sloppy preseason game. I mean, Darius Garland, who we'll talk about a bunch, was maybe the sharpest calf by a wide margin. You know, this wasn't like a pristine Donovan Mitchell game. This was kind of a, a very much just like a we're figuring stuff out phase. But I think the offensive shot is the point. I, Evan, I, I can't help but watch these games and watching Max Struess and George Nang in particular. And just watching how simply these guys shoot and let go of threes is unlike anyone that Cavs had last year and, and there's other stuff going on. There's a play in particular. I want, we're going to talk about when we get to awards in segment two that I think really popped, but I, I just can't help but like look, even with like, there's no Jared Allen. It's just, Hey, Max Drews plays 24 minutes. Seven of his eight shots were, were threes. George mm-hmm. Nang took six shots. Five of them were threes and their threes are just like catch it and fire. That dimension has just very simply and functionally, I think, just changed the way Cleveland's playing offense, at least based on this preseason game and the first one against Atlanta. Yeah, I, it's really interesting just how those two are functioning. I think uh, Dean Wade as well, especially in game two against Orlando. Like, it's the not saying like the, the star players aren't stepping up, but I think people who are like, oh, Donovan Mitchell shot poorly or like Darius Garland was the only guy who's really shown up of Cleveland's quote-unquote star so far. Like, Evan Mobley's played fine, so shut up first off, but more than that, like the role players, I think just maybe finding their groove and finding out how to coexist off of this star talent like early on is much easier than having to do it on the fly during the regular season. Like I think back to last year where 
Dean Wade, like definitely like just looked out of his element when he was sharing the floor with the starting lineup of like him and then with Garland, Mitchell, Mobley, and Allen, like just did not look comfortable out there. And I think them all finding like, that rhythm, uh, whether it's from the perimeter and like just these mix and match lineups that Bicker Sass are rolling out there with some of these star players, like it's going to just be beneficial because uh, I think with your stars, it's, it's easier for them to figure it out versus like role players, like when they have momentum heading into the regular season. Um, it's just only going to be beneficial. And like, I mean, obviously like Max Struess is like a very high end role player just in terms of what he provides you in terms of three point shooting. And I think he would heat up even despite like a pretty ghastly series in the NBA finals at times. But this is just, yeah, the, the shooting stuff is encouraging. And like you, like you said, like there's a reason why most of Struess's shots were three pointers and just like George Niang is like exclusively like a guy who hovers around the perimeter. Like the, the, the Cavs are finding ways just to kind of make easier offensive decisions. And it's, showing so far. So the only injury news aside from Jared Allen is that Karis LeVert did not play in this game due to foot soreness. Uh, Damian Jones ended up stepping up in his place as starter. Didn't have any points, 11 minutes. Didn't have any rebounds either. So like a weird nothing burger from Damian Jones in his, his 11 minutes. Did any further insight, Evan, on if LeVert's injury is just precautionary? Like, what, what's any updates on LeVert that came out from, from media? Uh, no updates, per se, that came out from media. I did see that Chris Fior from Cleveland.com noted that it's mostly precautionary. Serena Winters noted that it was but um, And I think if you're the Cavs, it's just the right approach. Like, you have to wonder, like, with Jared Allen's bone bruise, if it was, like, a playoff game or, like, a more, like, do or die type of game, would he play through it? Or, like, in LeVert's case, more so, like, if this is a regular season game, there's possibly a chance he could be ramping up the play. But like the Cavs have this luxury of now about a week until the regular, or about a week and a half until the regular season kicks off. So if they can afford to rest their guys when they can, even at the expense of maybe losing reps when within whatever they're trying to implement, you're willing to make that sacrifice because I think those guys at least have the luxury of familiarity to kind of get themselves acclimated back into things. Yeah, I it's preseason games like Bradley Beal had missed a game for Phoenix. Like you're just going to have guys miss. I mean, Dame and Giannis haven't missed the first one. Their first game is going to be into Lakers this weekend. This is smart and wise. Obviously, you just hold guys precautionary. Um, even minute totals. This was the one where they go into the third a little bit with some of their main players. I mean, Mobley plays 22. Garland plays 17. Donovan Mitchell played 29. Max Drews played 24. Like you had guys actually playing some real minutes. That being said, there's still some funkiness. I mean, Tristan Thompson's out here checking in in the first quarter. Um, like, you still had some weirdness. And we'll talk about, I think, D. I want to talk about Dean Wade later. But this was still, like, this still very much, Evan, I think, in total, just felt like a preseason game where the Cavs are figuring stuff out and messing around a little bit. Yeah, there's a lot of similarities to that game against Atlanta earlier in the week where, like, you're watching guys maybe, like, find their rhythm, find their cadence, kind of find their footing back on the floor because they, they've been playing pickup with their teammates or like doing like runs with their friends and stuff that they obviously play professionally with. But like, like Isaac Okoro told me the other day, like it's beneficial for the fact that the Cavs can now kind of face different opponents and it does give them different wrinkles and things to kind of look at offensively and defensively. But it's a ramp up process, like expecting guys to be fully ready and raring to go in a game that doesn't count is pretty foolhardy and when the games actually count like it's gonna be a lot less sloppy all right coming up next game awards if you're tuning in for the first time or maybe not for the first time in a while we go mvp stat of the night and play of the night so we'll talk about that coming up next 
Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Right now, new customers can get $200 at FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, and that's in bonus bets. That is guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Again, that's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose, with a $5 bet. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Right now, they have a ton of obviously great NFL stuff. But they also have NBA futures of all kinds featured on the Cleveland Cavaliers, NBA as a whole, awards, division winners, all that stuff you can find at FanDuel. Right now, visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. And again, the official sports book of Locked On. All right, back here, Locked On Cavs, Chris Manning and Evan Damerill with you. Awards. I, I mean, I think it has to be Darius Garland. I, I thought watching him be aggressive as a scorer, watching his control on the game, watching how he really filled the vacuum in a preseason game, albeit, but Donovan Mitchell didn't have a particularly good shooting night, wasn't particularly on. Darius Garland was by far, I think, the, the best player for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah. I mean, you can give an honorable mention to Imani Bates or even Dean Wade, who are really effective for Cleveland off the bench, especially just from three-point shooting stuff. But like in terms of just the best player on the floor when he was playing, it was Darius Garland. Like hyper-efficient, was looking very much like Darius was ready for the regular season at this point. Um, I, I do wonder if like maybe the Cavs don't play him Monday and let him play Friday just to keep him fresh uh, heading into the regular season just because like he didn't play the second half while the starters did. But like, yeah, no, Garland was phenomenal tonight. Like, was key in so many different plays. In fact, was the recipient of my play of the night. So, all right, let's go to play of the night. So, you go first. I think you have a, a, a simpler one than I do. So, it was Donovan Mitchell, like, at the elbow. Like, he was posting up and then just had, like, a no-look behind the back pass to a cutting Darius Garland along the baseline and Garland got a pretty simple layup. And then it's just, I don't know, maybe it was a fun play. Like it was fun to watch in person. It was even more fun to watch like the slow-mo feed of it. I really hope the NBA implements what the Hawk or the Falcons rather do with Bijan Robinson and start doing like aerial views of some of these passes. Cause I'd love to watch like the cutting, like from like an isolated spot, then the pass happen. But um, yeah, it was a cool play, but uh, let me hear about yours. Cause I think yours is simple, but I think you're going to get a little bit more technical on why it was more significant. And I, I want to hear about it. Yeah. So what the Cavs were, I think their first offense play the game ran a play where Max Struess ended up in the short role. Max Struess ends up being in a spot where he is the, the roll guy. Um, this this okay. This was their, their first field goal of the game, not the first possession. Struce rolls, Mobley passes to him, and Darius Garland relocated to the corner for a corner three. That's that's the ends of being the Cavs' first bucket of the game. This is not anything overly complex. You know, Donovan Mitchell's standing there. Um, Damian Jones is hanging out the dunker spot, but also ends up being in position to set a screen for Darius. But what this signals to me, Evan, is just further evolution. Like this was. Evan Mobley does the first quick pass to Struce. Struce could either go to the rim there, mm-hmm. or Darius Garland's particularly clearing out the shoot to, th- to be there for a corner three. This is designed to let Darius score. This is not just saying, hey, Darius, stand around and do stuff. This is also using Max Struce to the maximum of his capabilities, pun intended. This is someone <laughs> who, like, yes, will shoot threes, all of that stuff, but he also is going to do some creation and secondary passing for you. He knows how to play in the system. This is the kind of set that just, it's not overly complex. It's just, Okay, 
Darius Garland's going to get a back get a back screen set for him, run to the corner. Struce is going to be in the short row. Mobley, as our big as the hub, is going to get to make a decision here because we trust his playmaking. It is just the kind of design that the Cavs did not always have last year, and I think it's really the kind of the thing you're going to see with the shooting added in and with the, with a more elevated motion based offense. So Steve Jones pointed this out the other day of just like Max Drews hitting a pretty big three pointer, like at least within the flow of his offense against Atlanta. And I, I saw a pop across my timeline and then that play happened. I'm just like, yeah. And you watch how Max Drews played in his pretty heavy minutes for the Cavs. He ended up the night with about 25 minutes or so, but like was super effective in that run. Like whether it was in terms of playmaking, like he technically flirted with the triple double with 13, six and five, but like was really kind of an interesting foil for Cleveland. And he's like, I mentioned like post game, JB Vickerstaff said like he is, part of like this evolution for Cleveland where the guys that were here last year now have a lot more space to operate and work with. And it makes things harder for defenses when you have a guy like Max Strews, who's always moving and finding pretty easy and clean looks from the perimeter and benefiting from his passing of his teammates. Like, yeah, this is a good play. And I think just like, it gives me that shades of like when Ty Lu was coaching the big three Cavs and like, they always ran a set play to try and get Kevin Love a three pointer to start the game. It, maybe if like that becomes the Cavs new like bread and butter, just to kind of build a momentum, just to have like a uh, volume shooter like Struess just see the ball go in the basket right away, like that could just unlock things for the Cavs pretty quickly on offense. Even just like I, I think we saw some of the Mobley stuff the other day. I think the biggest thing here, Evan, is with Garland to some degree because using Garland, who is a very good shooter, I think has motion shooting in his game that hasn't been fully tapped into. Getting him on the move and getting him relocated is a. It's gonna like stretch out the defense. At some point, they're gonna run this exact same play, and instead of Darius Garland getting a corner three, Donovan Mitchell's either gonna get a corner three or get to cut into the lane and like dunk on someone's head. Like they're giving themselves option, and by using Darius Garland as this tool, by like just entrusting the rest of the structure, like you're gonna put Allen in the Jones spot, and you can run this exact same set, zero problems. You're just creating more challenges for the defense, and like. Darius Garland on the move coming off of screens. You're going to trust him to make the right shot, to take the right shot if it's open like this, to create if you need to. I mean, he gets that ball there. There's no shot. He can just move it right into a pick and roll with Damian Jones. Like you're building in all of these options and it just makes sense. And this is, again, the way they just, the coaching staff here has put the, the pieces on the chessboard in this way. It just looks so much more elevated and clean. And the shooting is, I think, the big, big reason why. Stat of the night. Mine's very simple. It's about Darius Garland once again here. So Darius Garland, 50% of his shots were threes. Last year, per cleaning the glass, 33% of his shots were from three. I don't know if this is going to hold every game. I don't know if he's going to be like a plus 40% from three guy. He actually even left one on the table in this game because he had an open three, passed it up, he dribbled in, thinking he was going to get a roll, and then instead he got like a long two that he made. But I was like, Darius, you could have just had the three from the start, my guy. But over 50% of his shots, even so, were 50%. 50% of his shots were from three. If he does that or is like 40, which is at as a rookie, to like 45%, that's such a meaningful change in how Darius Garland attacks on offense, I think. And I, I w- it would make him just that much more dangerous. You know what? I think we got to tip our cap to front of the program, Carter Rodriguez, who during Cavs Media him? Day... Yeah coerced Darius Garland into taking more pointers this season. And to your point, um, he could have taken more than 
that's me and i think carter as well saying like if garland could be more self three times it'd be great but like he's not wired that way but like he, to your point uh three of six from three point range and then he was four of six um outside of three point attempts and then he was two of two from the free throw line like he was hyper 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 efficient in his 17 minutes of play and like you said like if he is able to benefit from just the pressure that max truce alleviates that he might face or even having donovan mitchell on the floor with him or george niang or just any of the shooting options the Cavs kind of now have within their offensive system it's going to make garland's life a lot easier and it can play to the strengths of the fact that he is a good movement shooter he is a guard who has become accustomed to playing off the ball and um just kind of playing within the movement of a shooting offense and yeah he is going to really benefit from it uh well and it's going to be exciting to see when things really start to click in the regular season like how much different garland's game will look and benefit so this new offensive approach by Cleveland. Uh, what is your what is your stat? Uh, Cleveland fifty five of their shot at fifty five percent of their shot attempts were three pointers. Um, curious to see, based on what like internal metrics the Cavs had on the table, like they JB Bakerstaff said pregame that like the massive amount of three pointers they took against Atlanta on Tuesday, a lot of them came off of passes or assi- or assists and everything like that, and like they said like on paper like they the Cavs left about twelve more on the table so. these numbers aren't realistic i think on a game-to-game basis i think this one certainly like in the first half like the numbers of the Cavs are shooting three point wise like it made sense and maybe like that's more so like them coming back down to reality like they're not gonna be something 48 53s at night but like the fact that there's just like a sudden sense of urgency and like just desire to take instead of just like attacking on the interior and maybe roughing things up inside and just relying it at times at the free throw line is so is a welcome change to cleveland offensively and i i very much welcome it all right coming up next miscellaneous thoughts we're going to open up by talking about dean wade and what he's looked like so far All right, we're back here, locked on Cavs. Chris Manning and Evan Dameron with you. Dean Wade, uh, Evan, I thought looked really good mm-hmm. in this game. You know, you noted the other day that he doesn't have the, sh- the shooting thing on his shoulder anymore. Uh, he played a little more in this game, came in earlier than he did perhaps because Levert was out. But if Dean Wade can be healthy and play, have more games akin to this and, and everything, that's that's a really, really... I think big deal for Cleveland and it's, it'd be a good thing for Dean considering his injury issues. But I, I, this is the kind of game where you look at it and you think, okay, you know, he played 20 minutes was four or six from three. That's obviously a little above water, but if he can come in and get that many threes up and have six rebounds, like that's a guy I want to see playing consistent minutes this year. Yeah. And JB was asked about this post game. Like it's when Dean Wade is playing like this, like you can't, not have him on the floor and like i think he being able to be a little bit more versatile being able to play three through five and not having to do with maybe some of the overlap that george neang provides as well like it's going to make things better for the Cavs. and wade was asked about a post game like how is he feeling physically he's like this is the best he's felt since uh he suffered the shoulder injury and so like i think he is in back and like the confidence wise like he's back i think physically he's feeling right and having the time off is probably very beneficial for wade and hopefully at least we get more of what we saw from Dean Wade before the shoulder injury that like he is a guy who can come off the bench and as he said provides you rebounding size and just most importantly three-point shooting from the position and just kind of unlock things for the Cavs even more offensively because like 
you have like four out lineups next to Evan Mobley at times or Jared Allen or even Damian Jones if you want to get real weird with it like it's just going to make things so much easier for everyone on the floor on offense and also you don't have to expend as much energy on defense on possessions because maybe you're able to extend the lead with your three-point shooting and way could be a huge part of that all right, moving on. Isaac Okoro, I thought, again, had another interesting game. He's being put in positions to pass a little bit. I, you know, still sometimes in the corners, you know, didn't hit a three in this game. You know, only had, had, a, had a couple hit a drive that I really liked that got stuffed by Jonathan Isaac. But I did, Evan, again, just like how he played. I think this is, again, someone who's telling you that, like, okay, I can do something within this new structure. It this seems to have benefited him. I think the spacing has benefited him. I've really liked the two games of preseason Okoro so far. Yeah. Okoro's game has been interesting because like game one really looked more comfortable offensively and like much more fluid in terms of just shooting and like working within what the defense was giving him and also just the looks he got uh, from the Cavs offensive flow itself. Like I asked him about this, like, did they have any set plays they ran for him against Atlanta? He's like, no, it was just the flow of the offense and taking what the defense was giving me. So like, it was just him taking advantage of maybe more movement and things like that. And I guess Orlando was a little bit of a weird inverse. Maybe it was schematic and just how Orlando was just like a officially long team and like athletic as well. But like you saw Okoro sitting in the corner a lot, like not doing a lot of movement, not really doing slashing or cutting and things like that. But like you said, like at least was able to complement the Cavs offensively when he wasn't able to get his shot to go down because especially when he had a full set of steam, had a steam and he was running downhill, like he was looking for his teammates. Like there was two really great passes in a row he made in the third quarter where uh, he hits Evan Mobley, um, who was posting up and Mobley hits a turnaround jumper over, I believe, Wendell Carter Jr. And then immediately after that, like he has a slip pass to Mobley, who does like a light screen and rolls to the basket. And Okoro at least has the vision to make that simple of a pass. And you think about how like Ricky Rubio is not here, and like there's not like a true backup point guard behind Darius Garland. But if they're able to cobble together playmaking by committee from like obviously Mitchell, um, Lavert as well, I think Jerome is in this conversation. But like Okoro is kind of in there too now too. If his vision is able to execute well offensively and just kind of keep things flowing well, uh, especially when there's just like a lack of ball handling whenever Garland sets. Any other final thoughts from this game, Evan, before we get out of here? What else, what else popped? I was pleasantly su- surprised after the Cavs went big with Evan Mobley and Damian Jones together to see um, JB Bickerstaff pull the plug on going big pretty quickly. Like Jones played 10 minutes. He hardly played in the first half at all, I think. Uh, he actually played 10 minutes the first half. He didn't play in the second half at all. But either way, like you, you saw them pull the plug early into the first quarter on it. And you saw the Cavs sub in a Coro for um, Jones. And then they went to a smaller lineup, which it was like Garland, Mitchell, Struess, a Coro, and Mobley. And you're like, okay, there's three shooters in Mobley out there who can use a little bit more of his playmaking chops. And then you have like a Coro who's a really strong point of attack defender. Like, it's just at least nice to see JB's not going to be like a creature of habit. And he is trying new things on offense just to kind of unlock things more palatable to watch for us. And also just easier for his team when they're on the floor too. And like, yeah, Bravo, like the, the Cavs lean on being big quite a bit last year. And I think having that fluidity and versatility to go between small and big and just use average lineups as well is it's a nice development to, to see the Cavs have. Yeah, I think the shooting has just been such a... It's been the story of the preseason. Uh, and last thing I think is just Amoni Bates. Congratulations, Armani Bates. 
you are getting up all of the threes possible, and I and I and I love that he's just out there being get, shooting a shot literally. Yeah, I mean, like, no fear. He said post game like he's still trying to find his footing, and I think figure out when he can or cannot take those shot attempts just because he doesn't want to be detrimental to his team. But Bates played really well. Um, honestly, surprised like the Cavs didn't try to find him in the closing moments of the game to see if he could send it to overtime, but. Yeah, like just was again like a spark plug off the bench for the Cavs in the limited minutes he got in two fourth quarters in a row now. And someone in the comments after the Hawks episode said we didn't give him enough flowers, but like he was great tonight. And it's going to take time for him to grow and develop. But like this is, these are a lot of good confidence boosters for the Cavs and also for Bates just heading into his first season in the NBA. Yeah, he look, he's a two way guy who I don't think is going to play a real role in this team this year unless something bad happens i think he's definitely a project but good for him i think on a really good first two preseason games and he's going to get a chance to showcase a ton of this in the g league and i think that's going to be i think maybe one of the more definitely one of the more fun storylines you know to follow there with the cleveland charge this year all right back at you after the weekend have a good one everyone more player previews coming for you monday talk to you next week